Greetings, Rare Ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds Emerging Markets Podcast. I am your host, Joanne A. Hamilton. This show is an exploration of the problems and solutions, ideas and concepts, growth and development, nuance and complexity behind emerging market startup ecosystems. Each season, I share unique conversations filled with stories from early stage founders, ecosystem builders, investors, and innovators from the front lines of global change and innovation. You will gain fresh perspective and insights, as well as learn from those on the ground who are creating the shifts and driving the action. The Rare Birds Emerging Markets Podcast is a part of the Rare Birds family of podcasts. You can find all our podcasts, TV, magazine, and additional resources by visiting our platform at www.rarebirdshq.com. The Rarebirds platform is on a mission to share the ingenuity occurring across emerging markets, one story at a time. We're here to help you as you journey along the ever-changing environment in emerging markets. We're not in the Rwanda kind of where you know, the, everything has ended and, you know, you're you are moving to places. Somalia is still in the transition from a failed state to a proper government. Even though the small brands will never compete in price, what we've been seeing is that uh, they can compete on, on story. And for us, what we do, we are storytellers. You know, it's also the kind of tea that you're making and the kind of name that you've kind of created in the market Mm. Uh, which is uh, which you kind of value with all your heart and soul. You just say, you know, let's change Africa or a solution for Africa or, or something like that because I'm um, really just, just dopamine driven conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. It just doesn't really make sense to talk about a solution for Africa because Africa, Africa is not really, there is no one solution that works for Africa. Right now, um, we believe that the robotic arm, especially, is the type of robot that can help solve many problems, not only in one sector, but in different sectors around the continent at the same time. It can be a big problem for market. And sometimes in these markets too, you know, scaling doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you don't build an application over a year or two years, scale to like maybe 600,000 or 1 million customers. It doesn't happen that way. It really takes a while. People are, people really are carefully spending the few dollars they have. Welcome back to the continuation of Series 10, 54 Days Across Africa, a collaboration with Ghana's Startup Lounge Africa. Startup Lounge Africa is a platform designed to encourage sustainable and collaborative growth of startups in Ghana and across the African continent. Their most recent initiative, Utana Africa, is a platform designed with an all-in-one solution to facilitate sustainable and exponential growth processes for African businesses. The 54 Days Across Africa tour is aimed at highlighting startups from across the African continent. We're now on the East Africa block of the tour and you will hear me in conversation with seven startup founders hailing from Ethiopia, Kenya, South Sudan, Rwanda, Malawi, and lastly, Uganda. If you have not already done so, please listen in to the previous episodes, numbers 198 through 202, 
to hear from the founders of Startup Lounge Africa, Prince and Samuel, as well as to listen in to some of the startups featured in the West Africa block of the tour. So from our data left, getting into the data, mining the data, we did realize that uh, there's a need for an artificial intelligence, a capability tech commands that can help customers simply solve these problems without even them getting to the store. Then we have orthopedic. These have to do with bones. If you break a limb, uh, what kind of product do you need for your elbow or for your knee? Um, yeah, for different joints have different orthopedic products. When we first came up with this event planning business, our main aim was to become the biggest event planner in Africa. And after achieving that, we can promote Africans' culture, Africans' talent, and Africans' Africans heritage to the global audience. That's why we want to join the event planning business. So we really got interested from there. Uh, we told them about tech, so the deaf were like, they really got excited. They told us, ah, if you guys are really doing something about tech, why can't you just come and start working with us? Because we've been wanting someone who can assist them, especially on the technical bit. So we are growing. Uh, we are babies, but we will continue to grow as, as a nation. And I believe that going forward five, six years from now, we'll, we'll have a different Malawi. We, we also train them on to how they can respond to the customers, how they can respond to these uh, to, 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 to deliveries that they're supposed to do. So it is them, it is the riders and the passengers telling them where they wanted this to go and where they wanted you know, their, their, their delivery to be done. We are rebuilding the all-in-one platform uh, for freelancing, uh, outsourcing, remote working alongside with talent development and workforce management solutions for businesses and African talents. Zipeta and welcome to the Rare Birds Emerging Markets Podcast. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's really an honor to be here today. It's always an honor and a pleasure to have founders on the podcast talking about their projects. So Zipeta, tell us where are we speaking to you from? Where are you based? Okay, so I'm currently based in Wasingishu, Eldoret, Kenya, to be precise. Okay. The lower part, the lower region, the lower western region of Kenya. That's where I'm located currently. Okay, great. So tell us a little bit about you. Who is Zipeta? Just give us your story outside of your uh, startup. Okay, so I'm a 27-year-old young person who just uh, initially started a uh, startup-based organization here in uh, Kenya called Leverage Online, an organization that aims to uh, create sign language awareness online in society and also provide equitable opportunities to deaf communities from Wasingishu to across Kenya through technology and education. Yeah, and so far it has been a success. Apart from that, I am a content writer and a software developer by profession okay. majoring into UX and UI design at the okay. moment. You're working in yeah. UI design at the moment. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. So let's jump into Leverage Online. Tell us the story behind Leverage Online. 
So Libre Germain uh, started from uh, the perspective whereby we realized that there was a huge miscommunication gap between the deaf and hearing in our society currently, because most of the hearing do not know sign language and uh, the deaf people had issues uh, accessing public services. We couldn't even know about them until my first encounter when I had a first deaf person texting me, asking me for a, a job. I had not known at first that that person was deaf until I asked for the resume and the person had to send it via a text message. And yeah, the person mentioned that he was deaf. That is when I knew this was a huge uh, problem. And considering the fact that uh, most of them are really secluded in certain areas, then I don't see most of them within town. So I got really curious about it. And that's when I realized that we, it started with the miscommunication. I didn't know how to communicate with them through sign language. So I had to learn how to communicate with them through using sign language, which I'm perfecting at the moment. And from then on, they really got interested with the tech bit, considering I had to use my skills also to reach out to them. They said uh, the major challenge that stood out to them was keeping up with the technical, the technological trends, considering the pandemic really affected them. So they wanted someone who can at least guide them because social media is really doing a good job, especially with the face-to-face -face, uh, platforms like Zoom and whatnot. But still, when it comes to careers, working remotely has been a problem. So I had to try and see which skill can best fit them, considering they are very visual people. They learn mostly through pictures or seeing. Yeah, seeing with them is, is kind of like a major communication with them. So... I had to venture into UX and UI design, which has been very successful so far. We just launched one recently. And since it really accommodates them, it has low code, no code skills, and it was kind of like a major milestone for Leverage Online. And that is how we came to be till now. Yeah. Okay, great. Now tell me specifically, what is the problem that you're solving? So I'm currently solving two things. Okay. One is the miscommunication gap, that is uh, use of sign language. We are trying to normalize the use of sign language in society right now. Okay. And secondly, it's the digital gap for the deaf communities so that they can be able to keep up with these technological trends online. Yeah, and to also be part of the opportunities that are currently existing without feeling secluded or excluding in that matter yeah right so there's a problem whereby we who are not hearing impaired are yes. uh, many of us we don't our educational systems don't teach us sign language right exactly it's not yeah. it, it hasn't been normalized so there's a whole section of our population that are hearing impaired that use sign language yeah. and we don't know anything about them and they don't know anything about exactly. us Right. Unless exactly. you have someone in your family or maybe you you come from a family where you've been exposed to that and um, they, yes. they brought awareness to you. So there's a huge it, it's also a cultural problem as well. Right. Because I know it in, is in some communities. Right. In societies, it's sort of like uh, hearing impaired people are often seen as unintelligent or, or like they have disabilities, but they're just like everybody else. They just can't hear. 
That's exactly. it. Right? Exactly. So yeah. I'd love to I'd love for you to tell us before we get to like the platform and sort of what you're doing on the platform and how you're helping them, the, the hearing yes. community, I would love for you to share with us sort of what are the challenges, like sort of what I just mm-hmm. outlined in, in where you are in Kenya and mm-hmm. cultural perceptions of this community as well. Cause I think that's that's also connected to how you realize there was a problem in the first place, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You're right. So um, one of the major challenges was the fact that uh, currently in society, not most hearing people want to learn sign language. They're not embracing it, and they are treating the deaf as though they are really disabled, as though they cannot be able to do anything. And yet, it's a hidden ability, disability, but it does not keep them from, you know, doing other normal stuff like any other person, you know. So. Um, you also find that uh, in the society, there are those parents who are still uh, hidden, like their culture is quite different in that they keep, uh, they hide the children who have such disabilities from the society. You see, that's kind of also another problem I noticed. And also coming to the institutions, especially the higher level institutions like uh, universities, they are not really uh, offering courses that can be able to tailor for the deaf in that it's just majorly on the hearing. So the deaf really have a hard time to even enroll for a certain course because they do not know um, the way forward. They cannot be guided on what to do. So if it is to be enrolled for a higher course, it could be maybe in the business related. So far, there are actually a few institutions who are enrolling them. But when it comes to the STEM-related courses, including medicine, like engineering, they're not there. I've not seen quite a number of people who are there. They're deaf people in that, in that, in that case. So it's kind of like a major challenge for me because um, as a young person who has just started this organization, I'm really uh, fighting so hard, trying to convince even uh, already the existing organizations and corporates and institutions to try and accommodate these people. And yet the first thing that came up with, with them is that they were downsizing their employees. So even uh, employing more people, say like the interpreters who can actually provide the same access the same services to the deaf people has been kind of a problem, but we really hope that uh, the government or most of the organizations can actually take that in into action and start uh, doing something about it. But yes, um, looking on the other end of the deaf community, uh, they're really embracing the tech bit, but uh, on their end, the major ch- another challenge that I noticed with them is that they are used to handouts. They do not believe or think that there's something they can be able to achieve on their own. They need someone who can actually show them that you do not need to rely on handouts or just help, even though it is something that can help them move a step forward. But they need to be encouraged or challenged that they too have something in them. They they can actually learn these skills on their own, you know, but with the best guidance, of course. So... uh, when starting even the technical bit, they were a bit uh, skeptical in that with the, help, with the help of sign language, actually there's no sign language for tech. So we really struggled trying to communicate with them, especially when teaching them on uh, UX and UI design. Coding proved to be <laughs> a major, major problem for them. But uh, with UX and UI design, 
that was the best thing that they could ever pick up from because it was much easier considering the platform was the, the means of drag and dropping elements most of the time, yeah. So it was much easier for them. But most of them were really scared when facing, when even trying to use a computer, they have never used it before because they felt like this thing is just meant for the hearing or the only tech that I can have access to is a smartphone. They have never like tried to use an actual computer, which was also a great plus for me and leverage as well. Yeah. Right. So, Zipata, where do yes. hearing impaired people go to school in, in your country? Are there special schools for them or do they go to regular schools, but they have special classes? Uh, no, there are special schools for them. Okay. But we noticed that they just end in like high school. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how they graduate from there, but when it comes to the institutions, I do not see most of them, most of them there enrolling for the higher level institutions or for the stimulated courses so far. Yeah. Right. So from our side, uh, like we mentioned okay. before, there's just the ignorance. It's kind of like this is an invisible, our side meaning those of us who are not hearing impaired. It's like this invisible group in the society, right? And then from True. their side, they have fewer educational and job opportunities because they are impaired. And I guess exactly. many, many of many, con well, unless you're first world countries, which is what this podcast is not focused on, <laughs> right? Many countries, yeah. they, they don't have, either they don't have or they don't, let's say they don't prioritize um, making sure that the hearing impaired have access wherever they go. So like Braille, yes. for example, and things of that nature. So their, exactly. their communication is impaired even further, right? And then you mentioned yes. that they are used to handouts. So somehow they've been victimized yes. and they've imbibed this attitude of victimhood at least we can't say everyone, but exactly. it's, it's a likelihood. So there's like a social mm -hmm. withdrawal and there's like yes. self-esteem and confidence issues. So there's a whole host of other issues that come along with being, as we know, being like marginalized in, in your society, right? Exactly, yes. Okay, so you're so, also, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, okay, so the, there's also one more thing that I noticed um, mm. with the interpreters. Considering that they were learning sign language and they were, they are just few in the country who are doing so, I, I don't know much much about the rest. Uh, they really charge higher, so which also discourages the rest of the society from even uh, trying to give them employment because they know that since they're handling the deaf, uh, they are not really subsidizing the prices. But still, um, the kind of uh, unemployment issue is also a problem for them. And it's affecting also the deaf. So if there are no interpreters, the deaf too can't also be able to get their jobs. Yeah. Right, right. Wow, wow. That's interesting. So you're using yeah. the tech as an enabler. You're saying, okay, how can yes. we now go beyond, going beyond just teaching people sign language, how, which is great, which is really important because, you know, when your communication is important and if you feel like you, 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 you have difficulty communicating, then it can be really frustrating and a whole host of other issues come from there. So that's important, right? But you're using the yeah. tech to enable these individuals, right? These hearing yes, impaired yes. individuals. And how are you doing that? You said you're teaching them coding and 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 so on and so forth. Now, is there some, is there an end result? Like, do they then get connected to have jobs? Are they, what, what is the end result of them learning the, or getting access to the technology? 
Okay, so the end result, uh, first of all, most of them at least have learned how to protect themselves online. Right. Okay. And then uh, secondly, now uh, with the UX and UI design is something that we just launched. We finished uh, the entire training yesterday, which uh, most of them wanted to start working immediately uh, in mm. terms of developing websites and seeing how they can come up even with the designs for their posters and their ideas. It's a matter of just relaying the ideas in form of uh, pictures to them visual is just everything so we are hoping that by the end of the year at least or in the next coming year most of them will have really join the ux and ui industry yeah it'll be because for them they found it interest they found it interesting and easier for them to communicate rather than through coding because they really had a hard time trying to code yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it'll be interesting to see if that's something that you can uh, add in your platform as well, like securing jobs, like placing, uh, connecting them with, with jobs, right? Because that would be interesting yes. if they could freelance or work from home or work in companies. That would be, that would be awesome as well. You know, um, I've had a lot of people on this podcast, developers, right? Yes. We're not in from English speaking countries where English isn't the, the main language or the first language. And we talk a lot about the challenges of tech because much of the tech is written in English. And it's never crossed my mind the challenges of that the deaf community would face because how do they exactly. learn to code? Like you talk, you talk, luckily yeah. we have the no code movement, but how do they learn to code? Mm. I mean, is there technology <laughs> in Braille? Like, how does that work? Does that even exist? Mm. And that's another it problem you is. can solve. Yeah. There you go. More problems for you to solve. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a problem with that, actually, because there was no even sign language for coding. So we had to, like, point on the keyboard and on the screen for them to see. So wow. I'm, I'm going to research that. Like, do you know if there are any... <laughs> no, seriously, I'm curious now. Are there any companies that offer coding classes for the impaired? Any apps? Any, exactly. Anything available? Have you? Do you know anything about it? Have you been made aware of anything like that? Uh, no, really. Um, mm. I'm trying to see if I can partner with these uh, tech-leading companies, say even like Google and Coursera especially for the e-learning platform to see how we can be able to at least develop or even try to tailor the content made for them. Yeah, that would be massive. I mean, I've heard of a lot of startups teaching sign language and doing yeah. a lot of things like that, but never sort of tech um, tech for, for the hearing impaired or even tech, exactly. tech for the, you know, tech for the blind. I'm saying Braille, that's for blind people, but tech for like people who can't see, tech for people who uh, who can't speak. Like there's so much, there's so much out there. There's so much out there. Yeah. yeah. So let's, yeah. let's talk about the platform itself. Um, so yes. like in terms of how, how it works, like talk us through yeah. how, like that whole process. Okay, so how the platform works. So far, we've, we've been just doing the physical training with them because the online training, we tried once with, uh, we partnered with Google Digital Training, but it did not really turn out to be as we had expected because, again, it went back to the whole um, handouts issue. They, they could not do anything for free. Then secondly, most of them had a problem trying to adapt to other platforms because they really like Zoom. <laughs> they enjoy using Zoom. So even trying to encourage them to use YouTube 
was a problem. They could not accept it. That was the <laughs> the worst thing about it. But lucky enough, uh, regarding the content that we normally use, oh, the platform that we normally use is Zoom and WhatsApp. So far, we are moving to WhatsApp using a chatbot whereby they can just be learning uh, in form of menus. They select which menu they'd want to learn about um, based on which content. Then afterwards, uh, they're able to receive a badge at the end of the course, but through WhatsApp mostly. Uh, we tried with the website. Again, they complained about the internet and the whole bundles issue. So we had to use at least WhatsApp, it's free. Uh, yeah, they can be able to use free WhatsApp, so it's easier for them. Yeah, okay. that's basically it. Yeah. And they, they're paying you for these classes. The, the hearing impaired individuals are paying for this. Uh, at the moment, they are not paying for it. Okay. We have started with the basics so that we can encourage them to now see if we can enroll them through a scholarship basis. Oh, I understand. Rather than paying for the entire course. Yeah. So the pricing is for the individuals who want to learn sign language. You offer classes to them exactly. and they pay. And then I, yes. I think I saw something on your website for businesses. Is that what are businesses yes. getting and organizations getting? So for the corporates and businesses, uh, we get to train them, their staff on sign language. Okay. At least they can get to have their salespeople being able to sell or share their services with the deaf easily once they get to know about sign language and okay. we have a long-term partnership with them. Yeah. Okay. So now I understand. And then, then you're able to offer those classes free to exactly the, those to, the are, to the hearing impaired. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And do you have any sort of partnerships or any kind of collaborations that you're doing with organizations um, that serve the deaf or with schools or, or healthcare or anything like that? Yeah, so far we've been working with one. They are mm. called uh, Nandi YSD. Uh, we just, we currently got our first drop in Wasingishu. So, so far we were the only ones working with the deaf in Wasingishu County. But mm. in the other county, we normally partner with a certain organization who work under VSO, or they work with VSO rather, Voluntary Service Overseas, who have been able to like support the deaf fully. Uh, in regards to all the other opportunities, they're not really specific to tech and like uh, the, the unlike us leverage. Yeah, we've been working with them so far, so they've been really helping us getting more insights about the community and seeing how best we can help them. Right, and I imagine some of what you do is just also raising awareness about the the hearing impaired yeah. community in your country, right? Like just. I know yes. you have. I know you have events, but um, do you do a lot of outreach generally to make people aware? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, we, we also do since I'm a content writer, so I've been also trying to develop a, a lot of content and posting it on our social media pages regarding sign language and the deaf in general. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your um, your team. How how many of you, and when did this all start? When did you begin all of this and launch everything? Okay, so the Leverage Online was initially started early this year on February. Oh wow! Around, uh, yeah, on 18th there we started. I started with a friend of mine who is currently the co-founder, Jackton. You can see on the website. We okay. had started on a tent. 
under school terms as a joke. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We were just having this conversation and he was like, why why can't we do this? Because even looking around the place that we were seated at at a certain institution, there was no deaf students. And these guys really had a lot of potential. So I had shared my experience with him regarding the deaf. And coincidentally, we met a group of them in the evening in in the same restaurant where we were dining from. So we really got interested from there. Uh, We told them about tech. So the deaf were like, they really got excited. They told us, if you guys are really doing something about tech, why can't you just come and start working with us? Because we've been wanting someone who can assist us, especially on the technical bit. And yes, that, that is just how we we decided to form uh, together with Mary. So now Mary is the one who's uh, working in, uh, for Nandi YSD in, the, in Nandi County. So mm. she already had the group brought together. So uh, we decided to partner with her and collaborate on our first uh, event or the outreach program rather on digital training. That is how we conducted the analysis. And we chose that this time we could not be able to just start leverage as our own idea. We could only tailor it based on the needs of the deaf. And that is how we've been working so far. And it has matured from just mere digital training to now UX and UI design with the help of Balsamic, who has been our very good sponsors for the very first time. So this has been our first grant, yeah. That's how we received it, and we've been able to help them from from there on. Great. Yeah. And what is what is the the feedback being like from businesses? Are businesses excited to to upskill their employees so that they can learn uh, sign language? Are they are, are they interested in this? Yes. Um, actually, the, we have already gotten around uh, two corporates and one CBO who are ready to work with us. They saw the success of this thing and they really wanted to work with us, but starting from January next year, considering yeah. the success just came in a bit later, the, later in the year on and they've already done their financial budget, but they're really, we are, we've received a lot of responses and positive feedback. And I imagine for them, them. It's, it's good for their corporate social responsibility as well. Yes, yes, it is. Um, They have been very supportive and we are looking forward to having our final end year event with the deaf and the organizations are willing to sponsor us in terms of uh, drinks and meals. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And hopefully with more really with more uh, relationships with them, you never know what else could come come out of that. So that's uh, that's really great. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm curious because I thought you were going to say, you know, I have a cousin who is hearing impaired or a sister <laughs> or a friend, but it that's that's not your story. That's not your story at all. So how, what is it that made you so passionate? I know you, you explained in the beginning, but, you know, you didn't have to take up this <laughs> baton. You didn't have to do this, right? So what, well, has, you're laughing, so I guess there's a good story here. So what has yeah. made you decided to take up this baton and run with it. So um, going back to the story, whereby I had gotten the resume from the text, Mm. I met the lady now uh, 
oh, the man actually at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I was with a friend of mine, an old friend. So communicating with that person was through a napkin. And it was very, it was very funny. We had to write it down. Ah. And the only, yeah. So that person had to teach us sign language just by greetings only. And then funny enough, I was able to realize that the deaf could actually relate with us through our personality. He or she can just look at you and say, okay, um, you've already told me your name, but based on the way you look or whatever you like, I can give you a sign name of which I can be able to now better relate with you. So from there, I really got interested in wanting to know more about uh, the deaf community. Because indeed, yeah, you're right. I don't have a friend or (laughs) a close person who is really uh, hearing impaired, but yeah. That's where it sparked my interest. Yeah, and this is not to say you shouldn't be. I think it's great. We all should have a cause and something that we take up. But normally, right, for most human beings, we operate out of selfish interest, right? We operate out of our own interest. So if if, if we do something because it's like my sister... I, my sister has that problem. Like you're close to that problem, True. but you, you had an experience and I guess you, that frustration, you, you sort of just felt like I need to do something about it. And you did. That's great. You're solving oh, a yeah, problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, as you're in tech, I was going to say, what do you think yeah. about AI as a tool? I feel like AI can do a lot for hearing and speech impaired uh, communities. AI is really awesome. Yeah. There was another organization that actually initiated that. They went ahead and did so, which is also good. This is is in your country as well, in Kenya? That's okay. You know, there needs to be more. That's okay. There needs to be more of you and lots of you. That's good for the deaf community. Yeah, that's good for them. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, they they really showed me that it was possible, uh, which I saw that that was really good. Good of them to do that. So I at least it challenged me to even make it better and see how I can be able to make it also simpler. Because I know being a tech, being in tech, I've never like had to sit down and say, ask someone, what is it that you want? Mm-hmm. So at least UX and UI really opened my eyes on that because we just assume normally we just create softwares without mm-hmm. considering the needs of the actual person. So yeah, through it, I was able to now understand, okay, this is what you want. And even to make it much simpler, AI has really simplified a lot of things. So I can't wait to see which direction it will be taking me to next, <laughs> but through leverage, of course. Definitely. And I, I had a random thought. The more hearing impaired people are able to use these technologies, not just be on the consumer side, but know how to use them and develop them, they can solve their own problems because they know what works best for them. So they can build the tools and the apps and the technology and work with others to, to build, um, to build to build tools and resources that would better serve their, their community and, and help with their problems as well. So it's kind of a knock-on effect, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, it is very cool. I can't wait to also see what they can actually come up with because I was yeah. really surprised with the things they could do uh, using the using UX and UI. So I was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> let me yeah. just see what, what they can be able to build on their own afterwards. 
so we'll be surprised you... with the solution that will bring, bring. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you measure success? Is sex success defined by the number of people that come through, uh, hearing people that come through mm-hmm. and, and you're able to train them? Is it defined by how many of them secure jobs or go off to become UX and UI designers? And how is that actually defined by your organization or is it something you're still working through? Yeah, um, it's something that I'm still working through. I cannot be able to really specify, but rather I look at also the feedback that I get from them. And of course, I we are waiting to see how many people will be able to actually implement these skills that we're giving them because we just don't want them to like have certificates and sit on them just like that and forget about it. But yeah, we normally measure the success through that the feedback so far. That's brilliant. I have a, another question. Well, I mean, that's a podcast. I'm asking all sorts of questions. Right? But um, True. is in Kenya, is it okay to say deaf versus hearing impaired? Like, how do you refer to the community? Okay, yeah, for them it is okay. In fact, they're really proud of it because okay. it feel, they feel like that you are really, um, you're really welcoming them. Yeah, you've already embraced them. So when you mention the word deaf to them, it's okay. It's okay. Just, uh, okay. yeah, it depends on how you're able to relay it. <laughs> Just make sure you don't show them as though they're helpless. But yeah. if you embrace them like that and even do a little bit of sign language and then allow them to teach you, it's like you're giving them now that control. They feel like, okay, you truly value our culture and our presence. Yeah, they really appreciate that. Right. The reason why I asked that is because I was told that saying deaf is offensive and it's also politically incorrect Mm -hmm. and that I need to say hearing impaired. That's what I was told (laughs) by by someone who's actually what became Mm -hmm. hearing impaired over time. He lost his hearing. And I was watching a YouTube vlog once and that's what was said Mm -hmm. as well. So I'm I I'm always curious is that sort of and both of these the the person that told me that and the person the vlog I was mm-hmm. watching these were people in North America so I and I know in North America oh. everything is sensitive sensitivities to everything yeah. you can't say this it's like exactly. sensitivity <laughs> on steroids you can't say anything right but I I'm yeah. always curious about what it, what is it like in other countries like is that okay are there other terms like are certain things derogatory like I'm just curious about how how the the language is is used okay yeah the most interesting thing about this deaf community is that you know sign language since it's not a common language like uh, globally even same thing goes to countrywide like you can find that different communities have different ways of signing but most of them the best thing about them is that they really embrace that they wouldn't mind you calling them deaf yeah provided you're able to like show some respect and you know yeah able to embrace their culture they, they really don't mind that about that but it depends with the countries that their people are in yeah yeah absolutely. i've seen that a lot in the yeah I've, I've really seen that a lot in the u.s oh yeah, yeah. To this yeah. Place. exactly yeah i mean it's 
it's better than where where all of us were, I guess, 50 or 100 years ago, where we were just using offensive, like really offensive terminology to refer like to people who were hearing impaired. I think we've all come a long way. But again, deaf True. hearing impaired, yeah. I don't know. But OK, thank you for that insight. So where do you see all of this going in, say, the next five to 10 years? Where would you like your platform to be? How would you like it to be positioned? OK, so my initial vision for Leverage Online was that I wanted to have an online university targeting the deaf communities across Africa within the next five years. I'm still on to that because I feel like, yeah, it's a challenge not just here, but across Africa, considering the level of resources and now things are going online. So why not even give them this uh, same access to the opportunities and the courses that other people are learning as well? but just encouraging the communities out there that the deaf also do deserve a right to have access like just any other person. Yeah, that's my major target so far. Yeah, and you know, I will share something just out of my personal journey. I've been, um, I, I, start, I got into education uh, after I left my corporate, I'm, I'm sort of like on break from the corporate world, right? Business world. <laughs> anyway, okay. and um, I'm, in, I'm in my teaching phase at the moment. And one of the things that, um, that they mm-hmm. do at my school is they teach sign language. And wow. sign language, I know, right? Well, it's a private international school. So, you know, they, they pay for these, these things, right? But I, I had, okay. I've had conversations with uh, the, the instructors for, the, for these classes and very passionately was conveyed to me that sign language shouldn't be something that is offered in a private international school. It should be something that every child everywhere in the world as you learn the language of your country or English or Arabic or Chinese or French or Hindi or whatever, you should also learn sign language. It should be up there with all the other languages because it's a form of communication. And exactly. Yeah. And the instructor was like, because, you know, you can lose your, your hearing over time, but it's not necessarily being born in here, but also it's a, it's a language of communication. So how is it that you have millions of people all over the world who communicate this way and it's not an option? So it exactly. really opened my eyes um, just as an everyday person about this major challenge that is out there for a lot of people. You know, if I, if I were to meet, I, I don't often interact with people who are hearing impaired, but if I were to, they would think I'm an idiot. I don't know sign language. I don't know how to, and you know, sometimes you get into these situations with someone who's hearing impaired and you, like I've seen it happen. Like I've observed it where mm-hmm. you start gesturing in certain ways and you don't even know if you're being offensive. Maybe they're looking at you like, look at this idiot. Like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, why do you look like that? You know what I mean? Like you're trying to yeah. say something with your hands and they're just like, oh God, you know? So I think that it's, it's such a shame that I never learned that in school and we don't learn these things in school. Not that I don't, I can learn now. I have a choice to learn now, but I think what, yeah. what, and what a well-rounded and much more cultured person I would be, or we would all be if we were to learn sign language at a very young age, like we do our ABCs and one, two, threes. You know, true, true, because yeah. that is what we're really fighting for to normalize it. Yeah, because, yeah. uh, yeah, we, we just don't want to show people like, uh, it's just <laughs> it's an optional subject, it's not because it's already affecting the people who are surrounding us, you know. So, um, even uh, looking at the way 
people right now are really having a hard time to even adapt to sign language, especially from my end. Not everyone wants to do so, but most of them have really shown interest mm. in wanting to learn sign language, you know. But yeah, uh, they tend to forget over time because you find that uh, most of them are not really, they're not meeting the deaf communities each and every day. Mm. So you might teach them today and they'll be like, okay, I learned this thing two years ago but I forgot about it because I don't practice it. I don't have someone to practice it with. Right, right. But, That's true as yeah. well. But exactly. I guess it's just, if you learn it in school, there's exposure. Like there's, we go yeah, to school for 12, 13 years and none of us can yes. say every single thing we like. Do we learn every single thing that we learned in math, mm-hmm. in everyday life? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And in science, True. no. But we were exposed to it and we had access to it, right? Yeah. And that's what matters. So when we see it, we're like, oh, and then, you know, it, we know a few things or we can at least speak to it intelligently. But um, so many yeah. of us just, we, we we don't have that. So kudos to the schools that are doing that and yeah. maybe the governments and the departments of education or whatever around the world yeah. that are trying to do that. But I, I don't think it's top on the agenda. So it's that's that that's where startups like yours come in because you feel exactly. that Exactly. Because we just, you just also, I just got a, another idea while we're having this conversation. Yeah, tell Cause me. Because I'm thinking, because <laughs> I'm thinking institutions, they can just stop looking at the hearing only. They can actually secure a place for the deaf students to enroll them so mm. that at least they can interact with the other hearing actually during uh, the break times and lunch times while mm. teaching them sign language, you know, just to let them be aware other than just secluding them or putting them in a special school separated from the rest of the society like that. You know, I, I really wish for institutions to do that. Well, we've got so you now to possible. do it in Kenya. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now this is a fight I'm going to push from. You from know, they out. say, you know that saying, to whom much is given, much is required. So you've got heavy load to carry now, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> No, but but I think I think there's so much okay. I, I think there's so much that you you can do and kudos to you for um for all the great work that you're doing. So my final question for you is okay. what Thank lessons you. have have you learned yes. from your entrepreneurial journey that you would like to share with us rare ones that are listening in? Okay. One <laughs> that one I really enough. want or yeah. Is just one. I'm sure there's many, but just one is enough. Yeah. One is that uh, just don't start the journey alone. If you already have your target audience, go to them and ask them what what or which is their pain points before you can start uh, putting a lot of resources into the idea. You cannot be able to build that thing on your own. Yeah, that was the major take for me because uh, leverage is not my leverage is for the deaf it's from them that made it possible for me to be here today yeah that's the thing fantastic that was great it was such a pleasure yeah. to speak with you Sipeta. and yeah, your name pleasure. your name <laughs> your name I I know. Like, you know, it sounds like a spanish name Sipeta. <laughs> I don't know. I tried asking my mom and she was like, you already have a name. Don't ask me what it means. (laughs) Oh, wow. So there's there's no sort of ethnic or cultural reference to it? Zipeta? Um, They tried. 
they tried to derive it from uh, the Muslim culture because my mom didn't want to be in the Muslim culture like my dad. So in the I Muslim see. culture, it's Zubeda, but oh. my mom decided to change it to Zipeta. And that's got how it. I got the name. <laughs> yeah. All right, Zipeta. Well, thank you for sharing everything that you're doing with us. And it was a pleasure thank to you have too. you on. Yes. Okay. So until yeah. next time, folks. Bye for now. Rare Ones, thanks for listening in to Series 10. 54 Days Across Africa, in collaboration with Ghana's Startup Lounge Africa. I look forward to being with you again next week as we continue hearing from some of the startups featured on the East Africa block of the tour. In the meantime, visit the Kutana Africa platform at www.kutanaafrica.com. If you enjoyed this conversation, do share it with your friends. Visit the Rarebirds platform to learn and hear more from startups in emerging markets. Download our podcast episodes by visiting the website at www.rimbirdshq.com. You can also listen in via iTunes, Spotify, Google, Anchor, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join our growing global community of rare ones by subscribing to our weekly newsletter on our website and visit our shop to purchase some rare gear for yourself or as a gift for your friends. Thanks again for listening in. And until next time, rare ones. Bye for now.